0: I think we could all a little football reprieve, so let's get into Jimmy Stein's ranking of the roster.
1: Locked on Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hey Again, everybody, welcome back into locked on Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, every single year about this time, you start a roster ranking countdown, mm-hmm. and um, there are about 60 guys on the roster right now. You're not including the end freshmen, which I think is very fair because maybe you re rank this after spring practice and see who's Correct. coming in, and yeah. That makes a lot of sense. First of all, thank you for making us your first listen. Appreciate that. Not talking to you, Jimmy, talking to everybody that's listening and watching. Um, Although, Jimmy, I appreciate your listening. I can't get anybody to listen to me. Um, But, uh, okay, so you've ranked the players, and um, so you really started there. Sixty players. As Darian Dalcourt's right. coming back, um, and you haven't included him in your ranking system just yet. But so I you did. start. I, I,
1: I included him. I included him after I'd ranked. So so okay. I kind of messed up with the number. It messed up with the numbering slightly, but uh, I think people will catch on.
0: I think it's for our purposes today. It's kind of irrelevant. So we'll start with who you have as the 59th best player on the current roster out of. 59 people without Darian Dalcourt. Um, and, again, that's no slight at anybody. I think it's just – I think it's very fair. Somebody's got to fall on that slot, right? So you have Elijah Brown, who's the 6'5", 238-pound, tight end. He's a red-shirt freshman. Go ahead and tell us about it.
1: Well, I, you know, the, one of the things about doing it this way – and and I'm basing it – it's not a projection. I mean, I, I try to do the roster ranking based on what we've seen and what we've seen and heard from the practice field and what we've seen in the games uh, and where these guys would rank if the, if the coaches were, 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 were ranking the roster. uh, And and I try not to do a projection like, Hey, this is my guess as to who the best players on next year's team will prove to be. No, it's like a ranking today, today, right now, how would we rank them now based on what we've seen and, when you do it that way, Luke, that uh, it, it's going to be a little unfair to the players who have only been at Alabama and redshirted and, and haven't played in the games. Uh, those guys, we sort of have to rank all buzz a little bit. And, and, and based on all that, Elijah uh, comes, comes out at the bottom right now. However, uh, this is a great opportunity for him this, uh, this spring uh, to make a move. Uh, we're going to have an increased emphasis on the tight end uh, with the new offensive coordinator seems to be sort of a tight end centric. And then we hire Ken Wisenhut to be on the sports staff. He's a tight end guy. We hire McNulty, uh, you know, from Boston guy. Uh, this spring is a heck of an opportunity for tight ends to move up. So the thing to watch with Elijah Brown isn't a where he ranks today. It'll be where he ranks on the post spring ranking. Uh, As of right now, there's going going to be uh, uh, six tight ends this spring. Uh, I mean, seven tight ends this spring on the roster. Uh, That's a that's a lot. That's a lot. So, uh, but it's also an opportunity to move up, uh, and and we'll see what happens with him. But as of right now, I have him at the bottom.
0: And I think that's very fair, Jimmy. Um, I gotta ask this sort of as a follow up. That's not about the ranking necessarily, but. What the heck is up with everybody's love affair with tight ends? Now l- sure. l- as, as you were talking, I was like, okay, let me think about and Maybe you can educate me or remind me. Let me think about teams with great tight ends that have won national championships or are really good. When I think tight end in college, who do I thought about? I probably think about Iowa. They hadn't peed mm-hmm. drop in God knows how long. Um, I might think about Miami way back when. Um, now, obviously, you could say everybody is probably screaming, What about Georgia? G- Georgia has an absolute freakazoid of a cra- crazy anomaly of a player in Brock Bowers, tight end. Darnell Washington's pretty good and he'll be drafted very high because he, he's a freak of nature. But Brock Bowers is, is not only a freak of nature, he is a freak in terms of the way he plays, in terms of his, his smarts, in terms of his hands everything about Brock Bowers is he might be the best tight end I've ever seen in college. I mean, I'm, I'm not being hyperbolic here. So I think you can use that as a valid comparison to, I get, maybe it's just early morning Friday, uh, not taking my Prevagen, but tell me what I'm missing here. No, no
1: that's right. Um, I, I think we can do a whole show on, on tight ends. I, I it, it's really, the most unique position on offense and, 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 10 ways. And it is true. We, we don't have a Brock Bowers. I mean, you know, CJ Dupree is likely to be our starting tight end or the tight end that plays the most snaps of all the time. I, I tend to think we're going to do tight end by committee, which is great. Uh, it highlights the, those guys strengths and sort of minimize weaknesses when you can substitute a lot and play four guys and into the role Uh, when you don't have a Brock Bowers, and and really only Georgia has a Brock Bowers. Uh, Like Luke said, I mean, he he is a unicorn. Um, It's just not going to happen often that you end up with a guy like that. I don't even think Georgia knew what they were getting when they got Brock Bowers. Um, He is the best college tight end I've ever seen, including Kyle Pitts, who was uh, drafted sixth about three drafts ago. uh, Bowers is better than Pitts, in my opinion. I take Bowers over Pitts. And Pitts has been a good NFL player, by the way, uh, or at least solid. Um, you know, I, I, in terms of whether championship teams must have good tight ends, it depends on what kind of offense you want. I, I think I said this the other day, or I said it on on a show. Uh, I guess not 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 this one. So I'll say it here. Um, if you want to know what kind of offense your team is running, like how best to describe your team's offense. The easiest way to do that and, and reach a lot of conclusions is just simply ask who is the tight end or tell me about the tight end because that tells you everything about the offense. If the tight end is six foot five and 260 pounds and he's basically a third tackle, then you have a power offense that's built around running the ball, running the ball off tackle, run the ball inside. You're big and physical. You're sending a message to the other team. We run the football because our tight end is six foot five, 260 pounds and he's kind of a third tackle. If your third tight end is Amari Nablack, or I Amari mean, Nablack, who, who's going to rank higher than Elijah Brown? He, we'll, we'll get to him later on the list. Amari Nablack, if he's your tight end, you're probably not running the ball, right? You're throwing the ball to the tight end. You're using the tight end as an extra receiver, not an extra tackle. Okay, I think what Alabama's ultimately going to do because we have the pieces to do it. It's the best way to describe the offenses. we're all those things. We're going to have our big tight ends. That's C.J. Dupree and maybe Miles Kitzelman. They're extra tackles. They're when we want to run the ball. And we also have multiple H-backs, move tight ends, that we can get good matchups with in the past game, like Amari Knoblak and, to an extent, Robbie Oost, who's a move tight end. He's an H, but, but he's also an accomplished blocker. But by looking at the tight end position – you can best describe what the offense is trying to do. And, and, and you can say that as opposed to any other because everybody's got five offensive linemen. Everybody's got one back in the backfield, two to three tight ends, uh, two to three wide receivers, you know, in a route. The question is, who's your tight end and what does he do? It describes the whole offense. So it is important, but is that specific player vital to the unit's overall effectiveness? Uh, probably not. That's why tight ends in the NFL don't tend to make as much money as uh, wide receivers and quarterbacks.
0: You know, the, the reason I want to go back to the Browers thing, it, it just made me think the reason I don't think you can use Brock Bowers as a great example here is the same reason you couldn't say, well, see, we need smaller, diminutive quarterbacks um, who are slight, of slight physicality, just like, you know, just like Brock- uh, Bryce Young a freak of nature, y'all. He's not – people like, that look like him size-wise shouldn't be doing the things he's doing. That that yes. just is it the way it is. Um, but, you I need to tell everybody about FanDuel now. FanDuel, absolutely awesome. As I pull up the wrong uh, little overlay there. There it is. FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here. I watched NBA games last night, Philadelphia and Memphis. And, um, you know, you can get some action on FanDuel using them. Um, that you can get that no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back after your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and very easy to use. FanDuel is the official sportsbook partner of the NBA and the NFL. So don't miss the chance to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash Locked on. You will not regret this. It is a ton of fun. FanDuel is like the biggest thing ever, and we appreciate their being a sponsor. Absolutely great. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA and the NFL. Also, go check out Locked On College Basketball. Uh, They'll be talking all things basketball. You may not agree with everything they say. I think that's very fair, but you don't agree with everything we say either, so um, sometimes it's good to listen to stuff and just get angry um, yeah. and yet at your car radio, I think. that Jimmy, um, one thing I love about you wearing this hat when you back up and the lighting isn't great, it looks. No, wait a minute, that's worse. I don't know what what you did that the lighting. Oh, there When you get real close, you look like um, an anonymous hipster whistleblower that's on sixty minutes that's uh telling us some in other, information.
1: Like, in other words, it's a it's a good look to do the bottom of the ranking.
0: That's <laughs> that is so. That is very true, very well-crafted. Uh, okay, so now number 58 on your ranking. Uh, and frankly, Jimmy, I don't mean to be insulting to the guy. I don't. I'm not trying to do that. I don't know that I wouldn't rank Elijah uh, Brown ahead of this guy. Uh, T.O. Well, Jones-Bell.
1: Yeah. Well, Jones-Bell ranks ahead of Elijah Brown because he has actually played. Uh, he, ha- he, ha- he has been on the field. Uh, that and may be he- the problem. He's been in the program longer. He's been in the program longer. Uh, I think uh, if one of those two is more likely to play this fall, it would be Jones Bell. Uh, if, if, you know, between the two of them, uh, he's played on special teams some, but, but, you know, he ranks low because he has been in the program for a while and hasn't played a significant role yet. One thing I'll say about him though, that I appreciate if first of all, I appreciate this, uh, and since he has been sort of at, at the bottom of the totem pole of the wide receiver group for a while, uh, and he hasn't portaled out, yeah, the, uh, others, quote, even ahead of him have quit. You know, if you want to, I don't like using that term for the, for the portal because it's not really accurate. It's just what to say when you're mad. Uh, but others have left. And he is, he's stuck with it. Uh, and graduate, uh, maybe he will portal out after he graduates. Or how about this? Maybe he is a late bloomer and becomes a thing because in high school, when you looked at him as a prospect, I really liked the kid a ton. He He's one that I've been uh, to this point wrong about. I, I was really high on Jones Bell as a prospect. Uh, I thought he would be sort of similar to, uh, to Prentice and, and Bond, uh, and, and he just hasn't been. It just hasn't worked out yet. Uh, but so he ranks low just based on, you know, a lot of this. It's not a projection. It's just like, Who's going to be really surprising to to be a significant player uh, in the first team rotation this fall? And 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 based on that, you'd have to rank Jones Bell pretty low. But uh, again, out of high school, I, I like this guy's skill set. And uh, late bloomers, hey, it does happen. It's even happened at Nick Saban's Alabama.
0: It, oh, shoot, I unmuted then remuted like a moron. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he would be. uh, It would be a late bloomer, that's for sure. And, again, I'm not trying to cut on the guy or anything. I'm just saying redshirt junior, yes, there have been some late bloomers. Yes, there's been a Mac Jones. Wide receiver-wise, it doesn't seem like there have been a lot of late bloomers. Though,
1: Probably not. Uh, I would have to stretch my brain thinking of uh, who kind of came out of nowhere to uh, be a significant player as a junior or a senior as a wide receiver. Uh, I, I'm sure if we just sat back and went through uh, lineups over the past 10 or 12 years, we'd find one. But, yeah, it, it's, it's rare. That's fair.
0: Uh, the final one we'll do today is Anquan Barnes. You have him at number 57. And, I mean, I can't help but be a little disappointed. He's so low because I really thought he could come in and help. And he's a redshirt sophomore now. It's time for him to kick in, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it really is. Now, first of all, defensive line group, when I say it's deep, people get confused. They're like, it's not deep. We don't even have one All-American. Well, it's not deep in All-Americans, but it is deep in terms of bodies. We have more defensive linemen on scholarship than what you would normally have for uh, for three positions on the team. Normally for three positions on the team, you want about 12 guys. I think Alabama is going to be right at 14 defensive linemen, 14 or 15 uh, this fall, uh, and Barnes would be uh, only above the arriving true freshman for now. Um, now, again, we just talked about how late bloomers are rare at wide receiver. They're pretty common when it comes to linemen because uh, they have to work on their bodies for a long time before they're really ready to play at the SEC level. And one thing I'll throw in about Barnes, I've yet to hear this from inside the program, but we're, we have too many defensive linemen and not enough offensive linemen, and Barnes has an offensive lineman's body. Uh, Some people even projected when we signed him that he would play offense. That hasn't happened yet, but the spring might be a good time for it. I I think it's something to look for. Uh, Again, there's been no buzz about that, no whispers from inside the program that that would happen. I'm just looking at the numbers. Too many defensive linemen, not enough offensive linemen. This guy's unlikely to, uh, to break into the first team rotation this fall on defense, so it would be a good time to, quote, experiment. Uh and, and he he does have a, a good body for it. As a matter of fact, I saw a picture of him not too long ago, and he's one of these just, I want to say, barrel-chested guys. I don't think that's the right – you know, like Marcus Spears on on ESPN, you know, must wear an unbelievable coat size. I mean, that's, that's what Barnes is. He's got this massive Coke machine chest, and, uh man, even as an offensive lineman, it's got to take uh, a defender at least three or four seconds to run around him I mean, he's he's such a a large person that takes up space without being overly heavy. Uh, so I, I think there's still a lot to work. And, uh, even though he ranks really low on the ranking, uh, I'm far from giving up on this dude.
0: Well, I don't think we should bump on him or anything. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, I'm just ready for him to kick in. I mean, I again, home home state guys that. Uh, yeah. I just pull for them a little different. Um, you know, one other thing, I want to go back to the tight end thing for just a second because uh, there's a great article on Bama Online about Alabama and Auburn going head-to-head for some guys in state, and they bring up Perry Thompson. Of course, Perry Thompson been committed to Alabama for some time from Mobile, from Foley. Um, I think he sticks with Alabama, surely. But I wonder with the hire of Tommy Rees and maybe his more – I'm going to run the ball, throw it to the tight end style, at least that's his rep. Will that affect wide receiver recruiting at all for us?
1: Um, I I don't think it's going to affect all for now. Uh, I think after the season's over and everyone's had a chance to see uh, what what the offense looks like with Tommy running it, I I think it could possibly. But here's the thing about Tommy. I, I, I know what Tommy did at Notre Dame is not going to be what he does at Alabama. Now, what he's going to do is take Nick Saban's offense and add Tommy Reese wrinkles to it, and that probably does mean more action for the tight end position and more building things around what the tight end is doing or not doing, be it blocking or pass receiving. Uh, It is going to look more like Alabama than it's going to look like Notre Dame. Uh, But I do believe he was hired – because Nick Saban didn't look, look to him and say, I love that Notre Dame offense. I want you to do here what you were doing there. No, what he said to him is, here's my playbook. Here's the Alabama offense. But we're going to be physical and run the ball more than we've been doing lately. So I need, I need some help with that.
0: Fair enough. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we are going to preview Alabama-Arkansas tomorrow. So the Tide and the Razorbacks will meet for the second time. Alabama, of course, got a 15-point win in Arkansas a month or so ago. A little bit different Arkansas team. Nick Smith Jr. is a problem. He's he's coming on. He's very good. He's back. Um, Arkansas fans on Twitter recently have been um, as righteously indignant about uh, as – any fan base. I mean, uh, even the other Locked On Arkansas uh, podcast has just. I mean, they've just been eviscerating Miller, notes and, and everybody, and every everybody's just. Uh, you know, Alabama's the worst thing. In the I hope I'm one of them. As game, will certainly know know all of this. uh Oh, um, I lost my connection. Are you there, Jim? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could hear you. Okay. Okay, I just wanted to be sure, um, yeah. but uh, so I, I assume that uh, there will be a lot of uh, very rabid fans there, mm-hmm. and at um, least that I'm hoping that when Brandon Miller's is announced, that the roof comes off our airplane hangar, and um, <laughs> I'm hoping that Alabama can put it together and, and knock this out of the park. Because I'm going to tell you something: Arkansas is in a kind of an odd position. I feel like they're they're you know, they're in the bubble. <laughs> they're on the good side of the bubble, but they, I just saw them listed as an eight seed. Alabama listed as number one overall. Lenardi, by the way. Uh, this just came out today. And Arkansas wraps up with Alabama, I believe at Tennessee, and then Kentucky at home. Kentucky's playing really well right now. And Arkansas, remember, beat Kentucky at Kentucky, so they, there could be some revenge factor there. If Arkansas were to lose the last three games – or even two of the three, things could get a little dicey. I mean, I I think they'd still be in, but things could get a little dicey. So this game is going to be, man, it's going to (laughs) be fever pitch. Um, So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm hoping Brandon Miller has another one of his games. Let's also not forget, Brandon Miller didn't even get a shot off in the first half the first time these two teams met. Now he got hot late and he was able to help Alabama get that big 15-point win, but – he didn't even get a shot off in the first half. I'm, I'm talking about a shot released from his hands.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, this is a bit of a rivalry here between Alabama and Arkansas. There has been for years, really. I mean, for years, this has been a really good matchup. Before, uh, our, our, you know, uh, but way, way before Nate Oates. Uh, I mean, this has been a great matchup going back to the days of Wimp versus Nolan Richardson, and it's been good since then uh but but now it's it's back to a fever pitch really because both teams load their rosters with good players and nba players and arkansas has three first round picks in their program uh of course uh you know nick smith has been you know injured but uh, they have three first round picks in their program alabama has for sure one and uh potentially others too um and i I get the feeling uh i think alabama's fan base doesn't care much for musselman I don't think Arkansas's fan base cares much for Nate Oates. Uh, Now you got the Brandon Miller story that's gasoline on that fire. Uh, You've had some weird games with a lot of weird officiating uh, in in, in this matchup. And uh, it's two teams that are physical and tough and play really good defense. And uh, it can be a little footballish out there when these two get together. And uh, that all promises to make a good matchup. Now throw in. Alabama's fighting for the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament and Arkansas fighting just to get in the tournament and with Luke, like Luke just laid out an, an, a nearly impossible stretch here uh, at Alabama, at Arkansas. I mean, at Alabama, at Tennessee, and, and, and then the Kentucky game at Arkansas. Wow. I mean, and, and they need these wins. So, uh, wow, all the ingredients are there for a high intensity game. Uh, and like Luke said, uh, I think Tuscaloosa fans are eager to wrap their arms around Brandon Miller, uh and 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 send a message to Brandon that, that Tuscaloosa and the University of Alabama is behind him and the media misinformation campaign uh has been brutally unfair to him. There are of Brandon's activities, uh fair, fair, but what I think gets most of the same people upset is uh is the unfair criticisms and the changing of facts that make brandon look pretty bad but you can make anybody look bad if you change a few facts you know if i told you that uh that uh, uh that that brad pitt uh you know uh is is a nazi Uh, and, and, and now, now we're all going to just not like Brad Pitt and, and there's no factual basis whatsoever behind that. Uh, that's not, not true at all. It's just a made up fact. So you can change facts to make anyone look bad. But if you're having to change the facts, then, uh, then you're not telling the story of what happened. So, um, you know, hopefully your takeaway (laughs) isn't the Brad Pitt's a Nazi. You heard it here
0: first folks, Brad Pitt's. Right. And uh, I would, I would say, I don't even know if it's as bad as this. I, I would almost say that Miller's involvement is almost like Brad being to break up with Jenner for Aniston. I mean, it's just a. There were some bad decisions involved that, and but I think mostly it was innocent. Now, in hindsight, you realize he probably wouldn't have done that. And, again, I'm not trying to make light of this whole thing. I'm just playing off your Brad Pitt Nazi thing for some reason. Um, but, again, for the gazillionth time, we hear here at Locked on Bama. Every Alabama fan I know, there's nobody who is unsympathetic to the situation. To
1: the I thought you were about, about to say for the gazillionth time, Jennifer Aniston broke up with him because he's a Nazi.
0: <laughs> I thought he
1: dumped her, though, right? What?
0: Why are we talking about this? Oh no, um, that's going anyway. that's gonna
1: be a Google thing. I think he did. I, 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 I get was he the dumper? Yeah, he, dumped, he dumped him because he cheated on her with that, um, with a oh, with that the crazy is exactly, one wore Billy
0: Bob's blood.
1: That's exactly right. Uh he got busted. Uh well, he was cheating on Jennifer with Angelina Jolie. What and a, again?
0: Uh, in in hindsight, what a, what a dumb decision. What a life. <laughs> I mean, it, it is a pretty good life. <laughs> I'm like what? What the heck
1: i mean for a nazi he's kind of going pretty good
0: <laughs> he really should have been in inglorious bastards
1: if um, <laughs> he was
0: he was killing the oh, nazis. He, was?
1: he was killing the nazis in Inglorious Bastards. he was he killing had, them yeah he I'm was killing he the, the nazis in glorious bastards and he had the funniest accent of how he said not he was a, he was supposedly from eastern tennessee in the in the movie and he had this southern accent that was so over the top. But to me, it was great. It was so over the top. To me, I loved it. And he had the, he had the funniest way of saying Nazi. Uh, How do you
0: know. say it. Na- Nazi. Nazi.
1: That's oh, it. Nazi. Okay. Like N-A-H-T-S-I. Nazi. Oh, okay. okay. Something like that.
0: All right. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of whatever the heck this is. Uh, we'll talk... To- <laughs> We'll probably have a reaction video game tomorrow, but until next time, roll tide, everybody. Roll tide.